De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be talking about the fall of content factories and the rise of modern day content distribution B2B. Joining us is Brett McGrath, who is the VP of Marketing at The Juice which is the content curation platform for B2B marketing and sales professionals and the distribution channel for brands who want to reach them. And today, Brett and I are going to dig in and talk about the fall of content factories. Okay, here's my conversation with Brett McGrath, the VP of Marketing at The Juice. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Doug, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about a couple of my favorite topics, so excited to jump in. Right, and you know, for folks who are listening in today, let it be known that Brett is a Colts fan. I'm sorry, Brett, for an awful season, but better things are to come. But let's go back to the topic at hand, which is content factories. Talk to me, what are they and how do they get their start and why do people use them? Yeah, so I think when I started out in B2B marketing, the role of content marketer was new. There was this thought, uh, okay, we're doing inbound marketing. We need to be creating content because that content is the fuel to help drive inbound marketing. And so we, as marketing teams, started to hire content marketers, right? Before kind of the skill set of the mar content marketer was distributed throughout the team. But it, it was like, all right, let's focus in on, on an individual who can own this. And what had happened was... You bring in the content marketer. The content marketer was was there to write blog posts, most specifically out of the gates. And within those blog posts, it was, all right, let's pack a bunch of keywords in here and let's post these blog posts every other day at seven o'clock because that's what Google wants. And we're just going to keep doing it. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, down the production line, hit publish, and then we're on to the ne this next one. So I think with, with the content factory mindset, out of the gates when there was very few marketers doing it, it was fine because brands got the opportunity to own specific keywords, categories in the space by just creating transactional content on a regular basis. And so that's kind of where the content factory mindset came in. The problem, I think, in the downfall of it, if you look at Scott Brinker's latest MarTech chart, there's 10,000 MarTech companies, each of which likely has a content marketing team, each of which is writing for Google and machines. And so what happens is if everyone's doing it, then we're all as a consumer on content overload and the content that we're creating doesn't resonate and we end up writing for machines. So I think we, at first content marketing was just, let's, let's put the content marketer over in this corner, churn them out and they operated in isolation. And I think what has happened, which is good for us as marketers and also the people that we're trying to reach is that content marketing is not just a function anymore. It's becoming distributed throughout 
marketing organizations and it's really helping drive culture for brands. So I think this evolution, we all go through them in marketing and we're just seeing kind of the turn right now where it's like, all right, if we're just churning out blog posts every day and we're writing for machines, likely our content's falling into internet purgatory and we need to move on to a new strategy. Yeah, the timing was really interesting as well, right? You, so, you sort of had this this glory day period. I'm not going to name the years, but let's just say that it's roughly the early 2000s, early you know 2010s, where you had this sort of end of print and this wealth of really you know gifted, talented writers out there that started becoming content marketers. And then at the same time, people you know sort of discovered that they could outsource content to other countries. You had these people that were not native English speakers, but you know, guess what? They could write. They were PhD educated. Look at India, the number of PhD educated folks that are working in menial jobs is ridiculous, right? So you had this kind of confluence of things. You had Google sort of pushing out the ability to use black hat SEO and this push towards content quality running smack into kind of marketers discovering that, you know, if you write a decent blog post, your metadata is decent. You have some keywords, not too much keyword stuffing you're going to start getting traffic and people started getting addicted to that, right? So this is really, I think what we're talking about is this idea of content factories. When we were getting prepped before your admission that you're a Colts fan, we talked a bit about this idea of, you know, writing for algorithms. In other words, sort of adapting content over time based on how the crawler is going to evaluate your content for content quality, right? The quality store started coming out with PPC. So Talk to me about how marketers sort of bending towards that and what the point of diminishing returns was, in your opinion, Brett. So I like to think about this from the flip side. So I am a creator. I have the podcast. I write articles. I post on LinkedIn. I do all those things regularly. But I like to think about it from the perspective of the consumer sometimes. And so I think we all get to that point, especially if we're creating regularly, where when we're looking for answers and we go seek new content, we... We know that certain content doesn't pass our sniff test, and that content typically is the same structure we've seen so many times. We've got the lists, and then we can just like, as we're reading sentences, we can just read off keywords. And what happens is we drown that stuff out and we move on to the next article. And we've just been trained as just consumers over time that, hey, the person on the other end of this post is likely not taking my time into consideration and they're doing things a certain way because they want me to go through their process. And their process typically is, okay, I found their post on Google, I'm reading the article, and then at the end of it, then maybe I go request a demo for that brand and get caught into their sales process. The fact of the matter is now, since everyone is creating and people are telling stories and people are leaning into brand and using that as a differentiator, if you're not passing the sniff test, then there's your future customers just going to go move on to someone else who they can connect with emotionally and someone who is resonating with them. So I think which is, this is all this transformation and transition, this proliferation of media and this proliferation of content is a really good thing for marketing. In the way that we track the results and the way things happen, I think is changing right before our very eyes. It's like we shouldn't necessarily be thinking about 
volume of leads is the primary KPI. Do we want leads? Of course we want leads, but I just think there's a, a tremendous shift and change happening. And I often talk about the fact that we are all individuals with our own unique perspectives and the opportunity when we're creating really comes down to us being able to share it. And we shouldn't get tied up into if Google will like it or not, because I think when we start going down that train, then we're not writing for the people we're trying to reach. We're writing for machines instead. And that just seems beside the point of doing content marketing in general. Yeah, it's become its own ecosystem in many ways. I think that some of the symptoms you talk about can be obvious if you just peruse maybe your five favorite companies' blogs, right? So you start seeing the same title set, you start seeing the same structure, the same length, right? So at the end of the day, there's a certain kind of mediocrity that comes from that because we're all sort of writing for the algorithms and expecting the results to be, frankly, self-fulfilling, meaning if I write in a certain way, I'm going to get a certain amount of pickup, and a certain amount of rankings, and therefore I'm going to drive a certain amount of traffic. But to your point, this idea of one click leads to some signal that we want, something we want, want like a lead, God, this, God, this days are over. I'm going to go back late 2000s, really the glory days, maybe early 2010s, where you could do something that straightforward. So we've got this huge, what you're pointing out is we have this huge proliferation of content. The content's become better over time because Google has dictated, in this case, we're going to call it owned media, right? We're at the end of the day writing for Google, therefore, we're, we're getting some traction. We feel good. We're delivering articles. They're driving traffic. But there's this point of diminishing return. So if you're in this place where you've created this content factory, help folks understand what are some of the signs that I'm doing things that have hit that wall, that point of diminishing returns? I think it's simple as if you're running the same process that you've been running for the last couple of years and you're, you're, the results you're seeing is just, it, it feels very stagnant. And I'm thinking about the easiest way for me to like see if I have this symptom or not is once you hit publish with your blog post, you're on to the next blog post. You're not spending as much time with distribution and getting in front of the right people at the right time. So. Yeah, I think it's just a feeling, it's this general feeling like you're on a constant content hamster wheel that is topic, all right, keywords, write the article, have someone look through it, edit it, publish, on to the next one. I think the less we operate from that perspective and the more we think about the unique point of view that we can offer to the topic we want to write for, then the likelihood of us attracting audience members who can turn into customers goes up. Because the funny thing is about all this, and we're talking about the fall of content factories, you as a marketer have the opportunity to get out in front of this right now because a lot of marketers, and I would say a majority of marketers are still operating in the old way. And so to differentiate from someone in your category can be as simply as making the pivot to say, you know what, I'm done writing this in the old way. I'm done kind of on to the next one. And let me focus deeply in on the message and the story that I want to tell. And a great exercise that I recommend to, to anyone, like go tell a story about your topic, use personal stories when you're writing that and don't even think twice about plugging in keywords and see how that performs and then spend time on the distribution of it. So like I mentioned, and I'll mention again, it's just that so many marketers are stuck still operating in the old way and just taking a step out to focus in on storytelling and the creation of content that people can actually connect with can go a really long way. And there's a wealth of resources to help folks understand how to create a narrative as opposed to just writing content or spitting out content. I'm looking forward to mass amounts of chat GPT driven content as well. 
talking about content factories are going to be popping up really soon. By the way, there is an application out there that can help you detect that content. I can't remember what it's called, but quickly we're finding kind of counterbalances to that as well. But I've got to kind of press on this and say that I feel like marketers are recognizing this challenge. And, and one of the ways that they're recognizing it is that, hey, guess what, my friend, we're, we're not reading each other's blog posts right now. You and I are on a podcast, right? We've looked at and understood there's a diversity of content that really needs to be created to help reach those buyers, right? And to help those sellers get those deals in the pipeline. And so talk to me about how that's maybe provided a counterweight. So what I'm talking about here is much better video content, short form content, especially more podcast content. How is that kind of helping organizations break out of that content factory? Or, you know, frankly, are they just adapting the same methodologies that are the problem set for content factories with other media? I think the best part about the rise of new mediums like audio and video is that it has forced the creators and the people behind the scenes to be front and center because the people we're trying to reach, the most important thing that we often lose sight of at times is trust and building and developing trust. And people wanna buy from people. People don't wanna buy from software brands. People wanna connect with other people who share the same ideas or someone who's educating them or that we're learning from. So I think there's a lot of themes going on, but I think one thing for B2B that stood out to me is just like this rise of the individual creator and the individual being front and center because we seek authenticity from the brands we're spending money with, especially the types of contracts that, you know, we're when we're thinking about our tech stack that we shell out every year. And it is a nice to have, and it's going to become a requirement that we can say the name of the people who work at that software company sooner rather than later. And we're beginning to select based on brand. And then we go in and learn about kind of what they're, the bells and whistles. My evaluation, and this is gonna become real general, is that we all have commodities. Everyone's stuff does about the same thing. And the thing that separates the, us from all the pack is the people who are able to get on a podcast, the people who have a YouTube channel, and who are adding value and are growing an audience around something that people are trying to get educated on. So that's my take on it. I'll give a couple examples. I'd be curious to hear who your sort of example brands are, but a couple that stand out to me, I'll pick a consumer brand. I'm going to pick a B2B brand, but I think Warby Parker does a really great job with, I mean, think about, talk about commoditized Mark. And I understand that they would call themselves disruptors with their business model. But I feel like Warby Parker just does a really wonderful job in terms of narrative, you know, in telling the story. And the other I speak to is a B2B firm that doesn't have a hell of a lot of brand awareness, but it's SparkToro. And if you haven't checked out SparkToro, again, this is, uh, this is another organization that just really kind of inherently understands the idea of narrative, but at the same time is really good at creating content that sort of fits those buyer needs. Are there organizations you point to that you feel like are doing a good job on that narrative front? So I'll just say like a consumer brand right out of the gates, and I'm going to show you the product because I'm looking at it right now. And before we got on, I, I was thinking about like, why did I spend $2.50 or whatever I did on this drink? But it's, we've all seen it, Liquid Death. They've got this mango chainsaw flavor. And this is freaking water, right? I, I go buy my groceries at Whole Foods and look at the branding on this can and the messaging and the storytelling that they have with water. And I had been stuck at a concert and I needed a water and they're like, 
you know, three bucks for this. And I grabbed the can. I was like, this is water and drank it as just regular water. But I was like, cool branding, cool can. I'm a marketer. Well, it wasn't until I went to Whole Foods and I saw, oh, they've got flavored water. Like that's a nice supplement to my work day to try something new. And it's great. Like it really is like it's solid and I could do a commercial for liquid death. But something as simple as like the, the selling of water, it just goes to show you like I connect with the brand. I connect with the message and like, sparkling water like sickle Lacroix. i want to try something new it's actually pretty good and i find myself every week looking at the individual cans and being like do i want to grab them again i'm like why not i'm enjoying them through my work day so i think s- simple stuff like that just on the consumer side stands out yeah okay i think we all understand at the end of the day here folks we've got an important role for content marketing to play what we're not saying is fire content marketing team, get rid of your content agency. I think what we're trying to say is at the end of the day, make sure you're in a place where you're not caught in that content factory trap that you're really thinking about narrative and you're thinking about diversity of content because guess what? Folks don't always want to pop up and read your blog. They don't have the time quite often. And and frankly, when they do have the time, they're likely to consume many other media sources. Any other tips you can give folks before we sign off here in terms of avoiding that trap for the content factory? I think the one one recommendation I would make that's really easy and it's it's not anything new or novel, but if you're not already for your company, like just start a newsletter because you then if you're starting a newsletter, you're not thinking about Google and the machines, but it forces you as a marketer to tell stories and have an opening paragraph or a couple opening paragraphs in that newsletter that's sharing a point of view around a topic that your company stands for or you stand for. And I think the more you do that, then you'll think about how you can start to take those ingredients that go into your newsletter and put it in other places. Great tip. Great starting point. Brett, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Brett McGrath, VP of Marketing at the Juice and Colts fan for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Brett and I are going to dig in and talk about the rise of content distribution. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Brett, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Indy McGrath, or visit his company website at thejuicehq.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generated podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in the show, of course. You can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, going to publish an episode every day during work week so hit that subscribe button in your podcast app we'll be back in your feed the next business day okay that's all for today but until next time keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself